umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with andy anderson and today we're here to discuss michigan's victory michigan's shutout victory of northwestern winning by a score of 38 to nothing at what many thought was going to be a much closer game well andy what did you think about that one I was one of the many. I thought it'd be touch and go for the Wolverines. Didn't turn out that way. They got off to that spectacular start with Chesson going 96 yards for six. That was a beautiful run, beautifully blocked by the special teams. Baxter knows what he's doing when it comes to special teams, and I kind of expect more of that during the year. After the first quarter... Michigan had a 21-point lead, and that was the end of the game for all practical purposes. What the aftermath of it has been quite spectacular. Um, I heard a CBS guy, uh, CBS analyst say that now he expects Michigan to win the, the Big Ten. Says that Michigan might be, could very well be the best team in the Big Ten and blah, 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 and so forth and so on. So the hype machine on a national basis started out there. And they have to prove it against Michigan State. We'll know how good Michigan is when they meet Michigan State. If they meet and defeat the Spartans in a business-like, workman-like fashion, then we'll know that they're a very good football team. Well, Andy, I got to I got to tell you, I would be happy with them winning any way it goes. After yeah, being, me too. After being manhandled by the Spartans the last seems like forever, um, I'll take a win however we can get it. Um, it, it is it is interesting that you talk about how the hype has kicked in. I mean, and generally, you know, I try to be the the person who's trying to stop the hype machine. But the reality is, I mean, we've had three shutouts in a row. The story for me is the defense, and I think that you know everyone's talking about Michigan State about whether our offense can get off against them, and and you know the Spartans haven't looked as dominant on defense as they have in past seasons, but you know offense has never been Michigan State's strength, and with how good our defense looks, I I feel really good about this game, um, and the thing is is that. You know, heading into this season, you know, when we've talked about this ad nauseum, I really thought the first game of the season was a reasonable loss because you were talking, you know, a new quarterback, new team on the road for the first time. And I really counted Michigan State and Ohio State as pretty much huge challenges. I mean, considering how how far ahead the programs were. Well, right now, you know, and I had said that, you know, the the – the measuring stick for the season is if you could split Michigan State or Ohio State. Right now, Michigan State looks like a game, and when you look at the rest of the schedule, I mean, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but but the, it does look very interesting. And, you know, they always say that, that defense wins championships. Is the defense as good as it looks? I think we're going to find out in the next few weeks. And I tell you what, it's the first time in a really long time that I've, I'm looking forward to the Michigan-Michigan State game and not a little raw looking for it, you know, not not a little gun-shy. Yeah, me too. 
Uh, but you have to remember that Michigan State always plays their best game against the University of Michigan. They seem to be lucky against the University of Michigan on occasion they have been. So I think it'll be a battle, and I think Michigan's going to prevail maybe by a couple of touchdowns. I'm hopeful that they will. As far as that defense, it sure uh, seemed like it's one of the better defenses in the Big Ten and maybe one of the better defenses in the country. So they've got a lot going for it. And the fact that the special teams are up to par, that they can place the kick inside the 10 when they have to on a reasonable basis. Peppers is always a threat out there. Punt returns and he fair catches them so they got field position all the time. And he does that with a bit of alarm that I've never seen done before. He caught one in this game in which he caught the ball and continued after having possession of it down on the ground and brought his other arm and put the placed the ball on the ground and brought his other arm and it looked like a ball as he placed the placing the ball down. Uh, they've got some talent. Brady Hope did recruit well, apparently. And Harbaugh is a absolute master at taking the pieces and putting them together in a manner that will solve the, the puzzle. So I'm I'm very happy with that with that win. Uh, there there is no bad part of it. All three parts: offense, defense, special teams look good. How often have you been able to say that, or we've been able to say that after a football game? Not. In a very, very long time. You know, and I think you make a good point. We knew that, well, okay, we knew. We could look at the class rankings and know that Hoke had recruited. And I think that, you know, there was some question on, were those classes regarded higher than they should have been because it was Michigan? And sometimes you see that where recruits who get signed by bigger programs suddenly, you know, shoot up in the rankings. But there's no doubt that there has been a revolutionary change in the level of coaching. And it's interesting because, you know, you know, one of the things I always say is that football isn't rocket science and that, you know, the difference between a good coach and a great coach isn't that much. That has been my general saying. But looking at what Harbaugh's coaches have done, I, I may have to re- calibrate that saying because he has he has taken players that you know heading into this season I actually you know and, and, and again right where we are right now heading into this season I thought we were a little light in some of the skilled positions and I really expected you know that maybe next year definitely the year after when we stocked up with his players you definitely see this kind of change but I did not expect it this quickly and and, and as opposed to, I mean, people will say, well, but Hulk won games early. Yeah, but it always seemed like it was smoke and mirrors. And you never got the impression that Hulk's teams were improving. Even in their 11-2 and two year, they were pretty much you know, doing it with smoke and mirrors. Now, listen, 11-2 was great. I'll take that. But as the time went on, it was really clear that the team wasn't surging. You never got the impression that Hulk's teams were building towards something. And... That's what it looks like here. I mean, it's really a, an amazing job. This guy, this guy makes changes, uh, changes things during the game, between plays. He doesn't necessarily 
make adjustments at the half, wait till the half to do it. He does them when they're needed sometimes. I'm very impressed with the job they've done. He kind of impressed me in the press conference today because they keep asking him for comparisons. Well, what did you think of the Spartans when they broke your arm in 74? And he said, hmm, I thought it hurt. <laughs> Was his terse answer that he's not going to make comparisons between players in eras in different teams. He's just not going to do that. He's got tunnel vision toward one thing, and that's the next game, and let's do the work that's necessary to keep that game in hand. I'm really I'm really developing a lot of respect for his philosophy and coaching and for the team of assistants that he's put together because they are good and offensively, defensively, special teams, they know what they're doing. And there, there isn't any sedition among them or working as a team. That whole unit seems to be meshing as one. Now, poor Brady's teams, if something went wrong, they never seem to know how to fix it. This guy does. Other thing I have comment on, I know this is long and I apologize for it, that I like about him is the fact that he has this tunnel vision. Stay on target. And, and his people, the kids that you are interviewing, are buying in 100%. They're all reiterating the party line, and they seem enthused about it and seem to, seem to believe that something good is happening here, and they seem to be having some fun doing it, which wasn't the case last year. Well, it certainly looks like something good is happening. And, you know, it's interesting because um, I was talking to a former player this week, and he made a great point that everybody would go on and on about how much they liked Hoke. And I think everybody still does like Hoke. Absolutely. But Harbaugh came in with an edge. And that edge was my way or the highway, and you know what? My way is pretty darn good. Look at my track record. And we've, we saw some players leave the program. You know, we saw Blake, Blake Countess leave the program. Um, uh, you know, we've seen players leave. And I'll tell you, I, I kind of questioned it because I, my impression was you needed as many, you needed all hands on deck, especially that first year because you know, if you have a, a mass defection or even a little bit of defection at some of the skill positions, you know, you, you could, you know, look at the hole that Rodriguez got in that really he never really dug out of. Well, the thing is, is that the nice thing about Harbaugh is that he knew he had the security and he had the confidence that, you know, he didn't care if players left. And I, I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way, but. What he really was concerned about, and I think you know, as you listen to him, you know, he, he he alludes to this, is that he needed a culture and an attitude change. And he talks about having a blue collar team that works every day, that only cares about the next win, and a lot of it could be coach speak. But when you talk to the kids and you see the way he treats it, I, I think he's being, I think he's exactly spot on. 
I don't think, I mean, I think that, you know, j- similarly to the way that he said that the first game really didn't mean anything to him. Now listen, I know the first game meant something to him. But he was not going to let the focus get away from winning the game. You know what I mean? That first Michigan game at home. You know, you know, and he alluded to it after the game that, that it did, you know, mean something to him. But beforehand, he was not going to let the focus be taken off of the task at hand. And, you know, of course, of course he cares about Michigan State. But he's not going to let that be the focus. It's not going to be, oh, tell stories about how Jim Harbaugh broke his arm. And, you know, Michigan threw seven interceptions and lost the game. That's not the story. The story is keep your nose to the grindstone. And get the you know get the game on, and again, like you said, the players are buying into it. They they seem to be enjoying themselves. I mean, there are still players who talk about how much they love and respect Brady Hoke. That's great, but there's definitely something that Harbaugh and his coaches, top to bottom, bring. And you know, I think these guys had the confidence to say, "Listen, this is the way you're going to do it." And if you don't want to, you know, first, you know, do it this way. And if you don't, well, you know, bye. And, you know, we, we saw some players leave. I wonder uh, how this beautiful day and beautiful win that they had, they had a cadre of possible recruits there, and half as long as your arm. And what a day to show people University of Michigan football, what a game. It couldn't have been any better. I mean, they could have put up some more points probably if they hadn't taken their foot off the gas, but it was a beautiful win over what appears, still appears to me to be a darn good football team. They had at the time, you know, Northwestern, the top-ranked defense in the country, and that means that their defense wasn't chopped liver. So... It's 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 all beginning to fall in place, and whether or not that'll continue with the game Saturday, nobody in this world knows. That's why they play the game. But I personally think Michigan is going to acquit itself well. I think they're going to be prepared and well coached, and they got players that are invested in this and dedicated. And we're going to find out once and for all how tough this year's version edition of the Wolverines really is. You gotta, you, you gotta know that Michigan State would like nothing better than to come in and slap Michigan around. I mean, perhaps more than ever. To, you bet. And it, that's the one thing that I thought of is that, you know, as you said, Michigan State usually saves a little something something for this game. And mm-hmm. the motivation is perfectly clear. Right now, if you look, if you step back, Michigan State is the premier program in Michigan, and it has been for a while. And Harbaugh comes in, and all the hype spins up, and you know that kind of has to, to, to rankle you know, Michigan State, especially D'Antonio. I mean, really, this plays into his motivation. I mean, I'm sure... You know, in the locker rooms, they're talking about how they're not getting respect and how they're they're not favored to win, and everything they've done over the last four years doesn't mean anything. And you know, you're going to get their best shot. You and bet. and I think sure. that for the first time in a long time, I mean, we're going to see how good that pass defense really is because they have 
They have top of the they have the best receivers that Michigan has faced this year. And they've got a quarterback who is experienced and top notch and most of the time wins the games that he's in. So we're gonna see just how good that back end of that Michigan defense really is. Are the defensive backs really that good? Can Lewis do what he's been doing to Michigan State's receivers? The other interesting thing is, will Michigan press them? Will the defense, the defensive backs press, or will they drop back? Well, a little more? well I don't think that Harbaugh is going to tell us one way or the other. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and the reality is, is I the thing that I'm surprised by is, I go back and I watch the game tape, and it really appears to me that we're use we're idling on offense. We are not using the full playbook, and you know we talk about Michigan State, you know, laying in the weeds a little bit. So is he. So is he, and, and you know what? That's it's going to be really interesting if Ruddock can execute because I think that the playbook is interesting enough that on paper it should cause almost any defense problems. Can they execute? Can Rodak make the passes? And we're still looking for, you know, consistent long ball. That's an issue. That's a big concern. But the thing that Harbaugh and his staff has been able to do is you know, maximize what Ruddock is really good at. And you know what's funny is heading into the season, I kind of thought, you know, the conventional wisdom was that Michigan was a little light at wide receiver. Do you have that impression right now? No. No, they have good wide receivers. You know, it's not an area I'm worried about. The offensive line has come together. Really, the, the only thing, the only glaring concern I have is Ruddock. You know, and that's just because of the long ball. You know, you're going to have to air it out at some point just to keep everybody honest. And, you know, who knows? We'll see. But you know what? It certainly hasn't caused them a problem yet. No, that's for sure. You know, uh, Jake Butt, I I got an interview. I listened to him speak. I got a little interview with him there, which I sent to you. Uh, but in that, he said something that's very interesting. They asked him about other teams studying Michigan's offense and getting what they're going to do off there. And he said, well, he says, you know, I've been with this offense quite a while now, and I've been I've been absorbing it. I'm paraphrasing all this. I've been absorbing it over a long period of time, and there's so much each week that I can hardly get it with all this experience. I don't see how other people are going to get this from just looking at the tape. Well, and you know what? That's a really good point, Andy, because what I see when I break down the tape is I see a play with three or four options that Michigan, oh. is, hitting, that Michigan is hitting the first or second. Yeah. And very clearly, if you alter the reads, drastically different things could happen. I mean, sure. and, and I always, you know, it was always frustrating for me is that you know, we uh, I, I used to call it the receiver stack, okay? And, and it's a staple, even from when Lloyd was here, that they would put, I'd call, like the three or four receiver diamond out. And from that play, you can do a bajillion things, and they always did the same thing. 
you know, they did the little wide receiver screen. And what was what was interesting about it is is that every time that play would line up, depending on how the defense stacked, I could see three or four or five different variations, and they almost never did it. And it was frustrating as all get out to watch Har- to watch Harbaugh's offense. I mean, uh, you know, author John Bacon tweeted during the game. He said, you know. Harbaugh's only gone a chapter or two into his playbook, and I tweeted back, I don't even think he's taking the shrink wrap off. I think that that he's just getting started and that, you know, he is, again, it has to be executed. I mean, we had Al Borges here who, who created the most amazing complex plays that nobody could run. But with Harbaugh, you can look at the things, and I could see if teams step up and start taking away the first or second options, he will flip the reads to the back-end reads, and and when they're biting on what they think will be the first reads, they'll go they'll go 50, 60, 70 yards the other way. So it, it's really, I think that what Rodak said, I, I, I agree with. I think that that's what we're seeing, and, and again, can they execute? There's the question. Yeah, well, with him it is. That was but the but but that said these things to me though. Uh, but uh, a good example of what you're talking about is changing the read on the play. Happened on that on that pass where he's sort of up the middle and he's all alone there. They ran for quite a long ways afterwards. That that was a play that had happened several times before. But always read a different way. Never with him sprinting upfield. Never. And then all of a sudden he sprints upfield and he's free. He's all alone. And they get the ball to him. So this guy has many variations on a theme. And he sets up his theme. And in game one, you might see him run this play this way consistently. Game two, he does the same thing, and game three, he's got a variation on the theme and doesn't do it the same way, and the success. And, I, and, I really, and you know, the thing about it is, is by running similar setups and similar play formations, he's letting the he's letting the offense get comfortable with it. So that, so then when they flip to the other options, it's going to look completely different to the opponents, but from his team. You know, eight of the guys on the field are doing the same exact thing, or seven of those guys are doing the same exact thing. So you're getting the repetition, the blocking, the picking up reads, and, you know, you're letting Ruddock get comfortable. And again, we got to see if it plays out like that. we got to see. <clears throat> but right now, I mean, he's a, right now he's an evil genius. I mean, I, I can't wait... You know, Andy. One of the things I do during the during the season is I watch our game films over and over, and then in the off season I watch game after game and a game, and I break out just the offense. And I had gotten to the point where um, I was pretty comfortable with Michigan's playbook under Lloyd Carr, and, and and you know people say no kidding, but I mean really you could see and that's I was talking about the frustration of I could see the options they weren't using, and that would aggravate me. It took me it took me a couple years to, to piece together what Borges was trying to do. And you know, we we've beat this horse to death. I mean, he was always trying to be too cute. He was trying to go to the fifth option when the second or third option would have been just fine. Um 
And, and Rodriguez was just basketball on turf. I mean, receivers are flying over all over the place. And what's interesting is I like the spread. I'm a, I mean, I was a huge fan of what the spread can do. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have a defense that could stop anything. Um, I really... Okay, so I'm watching game film, and it really took me until probably the game before last where I could start to see the patterns and the options they weren't using. It really... It, for the first couple games, it, I actually kind of thought it looked like a mess. And... The more I watched it, I'm like, oh man, there's there's some intelligent design here. There is definitely some stuff that looks drastically different, but you can see one or two players moved in a different position, causing the defense a really hard time. And so I, I'm really going to enjoy learning from watching tape on this team over the next couple of years. I'm really, I am genuinely impressed. I mean, I'm not, you know, and, and this is the kind of thing where. Even if this wasn't our coach, I'd be impressed. If this was another team, I'd be impressed. And, man, I tell you, I'm just so glad he's on our side. Let's uh, flip to the other side of the coin for a minute and talk about the defense. When you watch the safeties line up and you watch pre-play, can you tell every time what they're going to do? Nope. Neither can I. And, and I'll you tell know. you what, you know, the, the point to that, you make a really good point. It's not just that you don't know what they're going to do, but whatever stunt they run or whatever coverage they run, you know, when you, we saw this under Rodriguez. We saw gimmick defenses. The thing that's amazing to me is you never see, you never see the mistake that leaves the wide, that leaves a receiver wide open. Normally, when you have this kind of trickery or this this kind of read, a couple times a game, somebody will miss an assignment, not get the right read. These guys are drilled. These guys are are, are really well prepared. It's it's really amazing to see. Then guy, then they got guys like Pepper back. Pepper's back there, who's coming on strong. He's doing a good job in the position he's at, and I just love to watch him feel the punt. I want to. I want to see him go all the way. That's what I. I you'll, wanna, you'll see that. I want to see somebody disrespect him, and you know, forget <laughs> or make a mistake. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you, really, I mean, again, we're used to, unfortunately, the last several regimes, one side of the ball being better than the other, and not keeping up. As you said, we are strong in all three phases right now. And, and and I'll tell you the other thing, Andy. For the first time, now listen. If Rodak goes down, all bets are off. But we come at you in waves at running back, and you know we, Peppers would be a huge loss. But I'm really looking at this team, going, you know what? They're so well drilled that it seems like you know Jordan Lewis would be a huge would be a huge loss. But it really seems that the, that the coaching is so consistent from top to the bottom that you really have a lot of replaceable parts, interchangeable parts. Um, and I'll tell you, I, I don't know what the ceiling is on this team right now. I, I thought I knew before the season. I mean, you know, you've heard me say it ad nauseum. Oh, you know, Harbaugh has the same problem Hoke has. No quarterback, no offensive line. Well, we got an offensive line and we got a defense and... The quarterback looks good enough right now. 
That's so, right. So what's the ceiling on a team that has a great defense, a good offense, and great special teams? What's the ceiling? There is no ceiling on that team. Well, another factor that plays into this year is that there are no really great teams out there this year in college football. Some years there are teams that are so good that you know that even the Philadelphia Eagles couldn't beat them on a good day when they're having a good day. Then that kind of team doesn't exist this year. Most of these teams are going to be beatable. I don't think Ohio State has lived up to the preseason doing. There's something wrong there. I don't know what it is. Maybe too many cooks, too many exciting guys. You know, some of these guys uh, like Braxton Miller that don't get to play as much as he used to. I don't know how that affects their psyche or whatever, but they haven't put it together yet with the exception of that great back that they have. They haven't put it together this year, so they seem vulnerable. They're the number one team in the country. And the ones after that, it seems to me, or at least I've heard national pundits say that they all have an Achilles heel and can be beaten. There are no really great teams like the Alabama teams uh, out there this year. So if that's true, maybe a team like Michigan can get lucky and put it all together and make quite a run. We'll see. But we'll know more after next Saturday. We can we have this discussion again after the realities of facing the Spartans appear on our screen. And uh, we can look at that and then decide a little more clearly what the future of this Michigan team might be, but it sure looks good right now. Well, the thing that I see is that Michigan State and Ohio State are the best until somebody knocks them off. Right. And, you know, again, I'd, I'd love to be strong. I'd love to have had the streak that Michigan State has had the last three or four years and be struggling like they are being undefeated. And I'd like to, I'd like the same problem for Ohio State. So, sure. you know what? In my book, and I always say this, you're the champ until somebody knocks you out. And now, with that said, I thought we played Ohio State tough last year, and we'll have to see. So, do you have any final words for this podcast, Andy? Yeah, I'm going to enjoy this uh, game against Michigan State, no matter how it goes. I think Michigan's going to be competitive. I think they're going to do their darndest, and uh, I think that we may even come away with a win. So, the chance is there. It's a better chance than I would have thought when we lost to Utah. I wouldn't have thought that there was much chance that Michigan could beat Michigan State. But now it seems like the Spartans are only human and that we might have a chance. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Andy Anderson. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.